All right, so it's after Easter, uh, leaning into cutting room floor again. And on Sunday, I talked a little bit just about the idea of doubt, right? That like the post-resurrection announcements weren't super quickly embraced by the disciples. And then Thomas was out on a, you know, out of the room when Jesus shows up and now he has doubt. And Mm -hmm. that sometimes we approach doubt as something that is like anathema or something like we can't entertain, something that like stains us. Mm -hmm. Uh, When in reality, like maybe it's actually more similar to a part of faith. Sure. Uh, Maybe not something we struggle with every minute of every day for the rest of our life, but something that in some seasons... We have more doubts than others. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought maybe we could lean into like, what do we do with that? For sure. Yeah. For uh, sure. Do we avoid it? Do we entertain it? You know, do we always hang out with it? You yeah. know, like a best friend? Like, how do we, how do we do? How, how do we, how do we relate? That? Yeah. 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 And just having that conversation thing is really important. Just how does doubt and our discipleship to Jesus yeah. go together or not go together with some yeah. healthy ways, unhealthy ways? I think let's kind of explore that a little bit. Yeah, great. Maybe to start, just to, I want to, kind of reread the quote that you quoted in your teaching. I thought it was really good, and it kind of captures a lot of what we want to explore here. Okay. Uh, You quote Austin Fisher. He's a pastor, author. He writes this, People don't abandon faith because they have doubts. People abandon faith because they think they're not allowed to have doubts. Mm. And I appreciate that because he's getting at, and you were talking about this too, that somehow we were kind of, I don't know, depending on your background, handed this kind of version of Christianity where somehow doubt is completely antithetical to faith and discipleship to Jesus and is perhaps like a sign that you're maybe headed down the wrong path and Mm -hmm. going towards apostasy or something like that. Maybe that's more drastic forms, but more or less something like that. I think there is a subterranean fear Mm. in some church communities that I've been in where if you express doubt, a prayer group is going to pop up behind (laughs) your back and people are going to be like interceding for you. And it's like, Fine, like, again, not against prayer, not against that, but it's this sort of like, you know, oh, no, versus, oh, maybe this is an invitation for something good. Something good to happen, yeah. Maybe God will do something in this. For sure, yeah. And I think maybe one uh, place to start is maybe to talk about doubt and relationship to faith, and in particular, looking at faith. And someone once said this, that we often get doubt wrong because we get faith wrong. Hmm. And this idea of if our idea of faith is something along the lines of we have to be completely certain or always trusting every single moment of the day that, you know, X, Y, and Z is true in the Bible or God is X, Y, and Z or something along those lines. If it's boiled down to certainty, then I think it does create this crisis when doubts and questions arise. Uh, Dallas Willard in his book, Divine Conspiracy, talks about what he calls a barcode faith. Mm -hmm. And so he's, the image is like faith, like a barcode where all the black lines match perfectly so that when you go through the checkout counter at the grocery store, you're scanned. Oh, you pass. It matches. And then you can move on. Wait, why can't I fling that mountain into the sea? Clearly my barcode was not right. Barcode wasn't working, right? Yeah. Yeah, defective. Um, And I think having that sort of idea of faith or sort of faith that's just based on, you know, emotion in like kind of a negative sense where Mm. I have to just trust without any, you know, questioning or reasoning or investigating Mm. that too, I think can kind of hinder kind of a lobotomized faith. Exactly. Yeah. Where it's really, it's like, Oh, God accidentally gave me a brain. Yeah. (laughs) Without, yeah. And we kind of just leave like reason and thinking and intelligence at the door. Yeah. And and in the same way, like you can do the same thing with just always be thinking and always come up with the reason and disregard intuition, emotion, exactly. all kinds of other things. For sure. Yeah. Anyway, so there's a, God created us as holistic creatures. Mm-hmm. 
and what does it look like as a holistic creature that's embodied, that has emotions, yeah. that can think, has a prefrontal cortex? <laughs> like, what does it look like? For sure, yeah. For and us I, to bring that. And yeah. a relational creature, too. Exactly. I think that's important talking about, especially with faith, that for, for me, and just kind of, kind of integrating a lot of like other people who are way smarter than me, talking about faith as relational trust and allegiance, mm. despite having complete certainty. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we're talking about biblical faith, there is a relational trust component that's where good. in any sort of relationship, you know, and think about marriage, for example, like I trust my wife more than any other person in the world, but there's no like a hundred percent certainty that things aren't going to, you know, be difficult or hard, or there mm. won't be moments and seasons where there might be pain and hurt, mm -hmm. but there's still relational trust that despite, you know, not knowing a hundred percent the outcome, yeah. you know, of what our lives are going to be that we stick together through the long haul. And there's yeah. something similar yeah. to that, I think, with biblical faith and trust when it comes so when you're, to God. So when you're contrasting biblical faith uh, to barcode faith, mm -hmm. you're creating a contrast between the certainty of a barcode yeah. and some of the ambiguity yeah. of relational connection. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's kind of what I think, hopefully, you know, we're kind of representing Scripture well here, and that there is an element of faith and discipleship to Jesus, trust in Jesus, that we don't have all the answers and the guarantees, and that's okay. That's, I think, part of yeah. what it means to follow Jesus. Now, this doesn't mean we just want to, and we're kind of getting the yeah. doubt piece here. Well, doesn't can I, mean can we I just, ask a sort of a question? Yeah, that's, yeah. And we didn't go over this. I'm just sort of curious. Go so for it. Feel free. Um, I just wonder how much to, like, the Enlightenment, the scientific mm -hmm. revolution, and a lot of, like, the way we view technology. Yeah also shapes the way we understand faith, mm -hmm. right? Even the example of a barcode. Yeah. Like we sort of almost have this idea of like, things are meant to be mastered. Yeah. Faith yeah. is one of those things. Uh, and we should like, we should really, and I think this is, there's some background assumptions there mm -hmm. from the way we think, the scientific revolution, and I think from technology that sort of give us the assumption of this profound sense of control. Sure, yeah. And almost this in like a, perhaps an unhealthy, overly optimistic view of humanity in the mm, sense that we can master yeah. and know and figure out all these things. I mean, my goodness, we have a supercomputer that we created that we have in our back pocket, the iPhone. Yeah. And so there's all this like, I don't know, thinking about, oh, look at all the amazing things humans can do. And yeah. it's not, I'm not saying that as a bad thing, yeah, yeah. but when it's taken to an unhealthy level where like what you're talking about, mastering certain things yeah. in life, there's an aspect of like, I'm not going to ever know everything there is to know about God yeah. and the Bible. Because yeah. by definition... Or the cross. Or exactly. Or the resurrection. The fact that God died on a cross. Yeah. That God was dead. For sure. That God was raised. Like, what? You need to really sit with that. Like, it should blow your mind. And it yeah. should create, like, this aspect of, like... There is a mystery yeah, there. there's a mystery there. And, yeah. and, a, and a, in the best sense of that word, there yeah. is a profound mystery at yeah. the heart of the Christian faith. A mind faith. that can be forever mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, w wanting to invite people into that and seeing that as I think a healthy, robust way of yeah. engaging and interacting uh, with God. So that's kind of the faith side yeah, of yeah. things. And this is not to, to downplay the importance of belief of, you know, right doctrine of, sure, sure. you know, being grounded in truth, 110%. We need yeah. to, to pursue that with all we have, but to, at the same time, bring in that mystery aspect, yeah. that relational aspect, you know, as well. It's good. So then, so that's the faith side. There's also then the doubt side. Yeah. Now, there's a number of passages we've talked, you know, throughout various Sunday teachings on some of these. They come up here and there. I thought we were just kind of real briefly kind of walk through, not in necessarily great detail. They're in the notes if people are interested. 
there's a few times, especially in the New Testament, that bring up this concept of okay. doubt. So maybe starting with like the shortest verse out of all <laughs> the bunch here, Jude 22, Jude writes, have mercy on those who doubt. Hmm. And it's kind of simple, but I also think it's actually very practical and, hmm. you know, a really important word, especially for churches that maybe are, are people that maybe have a background of like maybe some, I don't know, hesitancy with doubt. Yeah. That there's this aspect of, no, we're to have mercy on people who are struggling or who have doubts or yeah. have, have questions. Um, so that's Jude 22. Then kind of looking at Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, there's this really famous scene, the great commission yeah, yeah. at the end of the gospel where Jesus, you know, he has that famous line, all authority has been given to me on sure, heaven sure. and on earth. But right before that verse yeah, where Jesus crazy. says that yeah. the text or Matthew writes and, and says that when some saw him, so seeing Jesus, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Yeah. And so when Jesus then goes on and says to them, Who's the them? When he says all authority is given to me. Doubting worshipers. Doubting worshipers. Exactly. Yeah. So who Jesus is commissioning yeah. is a group of people who are both yeah. worshiping To be his witness in the to world. To be his witnesses in the world. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's one of those details that for the longest time, I've heard Matthew 28 taught on numerous times. Yeah. And it's very rarely ever brought up that mm. in context, the it's crowd good. that Jesus is, is teaching to and is commissioning is a group of worshiping doubters. Yeah. And so that brings me comfort, right? That So who Jesus is sending out on this, you know, great commission that we call yeah. it now is that combination of worshiping doubters. Um, one passage that I think kind of maybe throws a bit of a wrench into some of this conversation, at least kind of from the angle yeah. that perhaps we're taking is James chapter one. James writes, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. This is verse six of, yeah. of chapter one for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's, that's a passage that seems to be almost, or I think actually is giving a warning, yeah. if you will, about the seriousness of doubt. Yeah. And I think in context, I think James is talking about this one who is doubting is doubting specifically that God is going to give wisdom. Mm. And especially, and I think there's, there's a reality to this, that if we're doubting the fact that God wants to meet us in our quest for understanding and knowledge and growth in that relational sense, mm. then it will create this unstable yeah. sort of foundation. It yeah. will result in being like a wave tossed yeah. to and fro. And I think we get this. Like when you marinate in doubt, mm -hmm. you are affected. Yeah. Like I, I know so many people and you know, maybe this is sort of, I don't know, maybe this will be picked up poorly by some, but like, <laughs> I find often like there can be this underbelly of certain folks yeah. who feel like their doubt is their like badge of righteousness yeah. yeah. where you're like, oh, you guys are just naive. You know, you just yeah. haven't like thought the hard thoughts yeah. and they sort of are carrying their doubt as like, I'm better than mm -hmm. I'm more enlightened. Yeah. And it actually becomes this cynicism Sure, that sort of just, pervades their being and becomes incredibly judgmental yeah, of others, it, yeah. um, which I find incredibly unhelpful, <laughs> yeah, totally. right? So like on one, one side, doubt can be sort of this, especially in our moment, especially if you're sort of more on the postmodern side, tend to be younger, mm -hmm. it can sort of like become this thing yeah. that almost is, I don't know, corrosive. Yeah. Uh, to faith. Um, I don't know how you would sort yeah, of expand no, on that. No, yeah, I think that, that really makes a ton of sense. And especially it kind of can create this, you know, an unhealthy relational aspect where there's this like looking down on other people. Hmm. And there's because this, they're like, naive. They're naive, exactly. Like they mm -hmm. haven't like, oh, you're just, you know, just wait have, after you've experienced, you know, X, Y, yeah. or Z. Or, and they're you, 25 telling the 23-year-old. Exactly, right? <laughs> you know, and there's this like profound just Sorry, 25-year-olds. Sort of, like, they're 42 <laughs> telling the 40-year-old. Exactly, yeah. there you go. 
Well, there's this profound, I think, kind of disconnect with, I don't know, just some of that. I don't know. Just it's not. It's not really honest mm. to to be able to look at and just say because I've read, you know this book or listen to this podcast and this, you know, other thinker who maybe is different from like the background I grew up and then just to throw away everything that you've ever been taught as if it's, you know, wrong or unhelpful is just, I don't know. It it doesn't feel, it doesn't seem to be like an honest way of actually going about Hmm. seeking to discern and know the truth Yeah, and to just throw away everything just because perhaps, you know, this is kind of anecdotal, you know, again, a podcast or a book or someone from a different tradition within Christianity is somehow, you know, deconstructing is kind of the popular term now, something that you maybe have inherited or grew up with to throw all of that away. You know, I think there hopefully is a more, I guess, holistic, more wise way of kind of sifting and sorting out what can you take? What can you not? Sure, there's always room to grow. There's always adjustments that we're making. But to just completely throw it out, I think that's what I'm trying to say here, is I think, you know, not what we want people to do. That's good. Well, and I would say, you know, if we were going to zoom out globally too, sometimes we elevate the Western church. And the Western church has a lot more of this deconstructive Mm -hmm. feel. But if you look globally, the places that are growing the most— are not the places that are deconstructing faith. For sure. Like yeah. we might in the West. Uh, and I think that should give us some cultural humility mm-hmm. too, yeah. of saying, huh, maybe the way we're doing it yeah. isn't exactly the best way exactly. all the time. Yeah, for sure. Um, so maybe big picture, just to sort of frame, like you have this idea of faith that's not a barcode, but it's more relational. And mm-hmm. then you have this idea of doubt that like God meets people in their doubt. Yeah. And there's this other sort of element here of like, but let's be aware of our doubt too. Yeah. Let's not just sort of like become BFF with our doubt and just like walk with yeah. our doubt everywhere. For sure. Because that's going to affect us. Exactly. Yeah. And if we're not careful, it actually can create a cynicism. For sure. Um, and we don't want to be a cynical people. Exactly. We want to be a people who are not shaped by our doubt, but maybe our doubt becomes a part of our what sort of leans us into God. Exactly. And it creates a, hopefully a deeper relational trust and a deeper kind of relational intimacy with God. Because think about any other relationship, you go through something hard with someone, it often creates a deeper bond. Mm. And I think in a similar way, doubt has that opportunity where our relationship with God can grow stronger as we process that doubt with God. I think a helpful, at least for me, a frame that I read recently in a book uh, on doubt by AJ Swoboda, he talks about kind of three different approaches that people have with doubt. And this is getting at, I think what you're saying here, kind of for some, we want to like valorize doubt, like make it like what you said, this badge of honor, right? (laughs) We just live in this perpetual state of doubt as, you know, look how, like you said, enlightened and progressive or whatever, you know, this is. And then maybe for some others, we like demonize doubt mm-hmm. and it's this, you know, yucky, gross, weakness, danger, problem, weakness, all these things. Failure. Yeah. I think failure and doubt in that context get very lumped. Like yeah, I together. am a failure because I have doubt. Exactly. Yeah. So you have the valorize, the demonize, but then there's also this third way of like processing doubt mm. and processing in the sense that we do it with God and with others who I think yeah. for, for me personally, who are wiser and older, yeah. longer in the, the journey with Jesus as a way of saying and getting at this again, of building that relational trust. Because what yeah. we don't want is to just be in this perpetual state of the kind of, again, the famous or the, the term these days is deconstruction. Yeah. Where we want to create, yes, ample space, safe space for people to process, to question, yeah. to be to thoughtful. Be thoughtful, yeah. And yeah. to bring those questions in honesty. Mm-hmm. But to just live in this perpetual state of like basically tearing things down and deconstructing. Mm-hmm 
you know, at, at, at some point, isn't all that, I guess, creative anymore. And isn't all that, I think, you know, honestly, all that hard anymore. Mm -hmm. What's actually, yeah. I think, harder and takes more work, and I would say, too, more maturity, yeah. is to eventually come to a place where we can begin to rebuild yeah. and to put in the effort, the time, yeah. the patience, the diligence to say, you know, Jesus, help me build something yeah, here. That's good. That's the foundation is you, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah. I, um, you know, I have very little construction skill, but even <laughs> I can do demo. Yes, yeah. Like, demolition is actually pretty easy. Yeah, that's uh, good. Building something up. Yeah actually requires some risk. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where like faith and trust start to merge. Mm -hmm. And trust very rarely is like requires certainty. Yeah. Like trust might be mingled with doubt. Sure. But it's lived out in risk. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and so, so this is where it feels like when we equate faith with certainty, mm -hmm. we miss on, out on the connection between trust trust and risk. Yeah, for sure. That, like it's actually lived out in the day-to-day -day moments yeah. where we say, all right, God, I trust you. I'm going to take a risk now. For sure. Yeah. I think even just kind of landing this maybe in, in some Bible here, Hebrews 11, that great hall of faith yeah. passage, you, it's kind of this like synopsis of the old Testament, hmm. but the author of Hebrews is going through all these various characters in the old Testament and it, they're all are taking risks. Yeah, it's good. And there's the, all these stories, you kind of go back to their old Testament origins. Yeah. There's not a ton of certainty, no. you know, initially when these stories are being told in the yeah. old Testament, but there's this risk that's being taken because yeah. as the author of Hebrews is reflecting back on it, they have trust, they have yeah. faith in that sense of, I don't know how it's going to all play yeah. out, but God, I, I'm going to risk in the sense where I'm trusting you yeah. in that moment. That's good. Well, and that's the kind of people we want to be. Yeah. We want to be a people who are honest and authentic, but also a people that are focused on God. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that we bring all of who we are, our doubts, our fears, our trust, yeah. our courage into the presence of God and say, here we are. For sure. Let's yeah. go for it. Totally. You know, and, yeah. uh, and my, my conviction is that faith always manifests on some level as risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then if we're not taking risks. Yeah then maybe we're not as faithful as we exactly. think. And we should actually look at our doubts yeah. uh, because our doubts are going to surface in the context of risk. In the risk, for sure. Yeah, and I think that's huge. Just to come back to this idea that, again, the relational trust component, it's yeah. huge. And I think even just to one last thought that came to mind is that story in the Gospels where that man comes up to Jesus mm. and says, I believe, but help my, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief, yeah. right? And that can be a beautiful prayer for anyone. Totally. But especially for those who perhaps maybe find themselves in this kind of season of doubt or yeah. questioned That's of good. bringing that to Jesus, being honest. There's that honesty there. Yeah. There's that desire of like, I want to do this, yeah, yeah. but it's hard at yeah, the yeah. same time. Totally. And so both of those things can go together. So yeah. I believe, but help yeah. my unbelief. And I think that's the forge of growth. Mm-hmm. So yeah. thanks, man. It was awesome. good. Awesome.